We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Drafting an underdog resurrection team. That's what we're going to do today on Stealing Bananas at Ben Gretsch. You can find my Stealing Signals newsletter at bengretsch.substack.com. Threw an extra post out on there this week doing some team-by-team targets per out run, weighted targets per out run, uh, breakdowns, which was, uh, you know, a fun thing that I do in season and in the off season as well every year. Good article there. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. We'll talk about good articles. His Zero RB Universe article dropped yesterday. I've only had a chance to look at some of it. Obviously, the stuff that I've looked at has been incredible. And I can't wait to read all of it. Uh, Sean, how you doing? We just filled this, uh, this underdog resurrection draft and we are in the six hole. We are. And this is just the perfect format. I enjoy getting a chance to do these mid season drafts so much, especially as you mentioned, after we had a chance to dive into, you know, the wide receiver landscape with your targets per outrun article, <coughs> I get to look at some elements of who's going to bounce back who you know probably really need to sell in the running back area of things. I talked a little bit about resurrection prices in that draft. Ben, I'm really excited to get your take on you know what we should be doing and how fantasy managers should be addressing this. One of the things about this too is that this exercise is a lot of fun. I encourage people to do it. It's only ten dollars. You have the thirty thousand dollar first place. But well beyond that, when we're forced to actually make picks and to put you know, our very limited amount of money, but put our money where our mouths are on this and think through what we would actually do if we're crafting a new team, as opposed to simply just trying to either justify where we already are or, you know, think about selling players we already have. This gives us a chance to really think about the status quo and where we're going after four weeks of the 2023 season a draft crystallizes those things in a way almost no other exercise will. It, truly. And I, I got asked about, um, you know, you, you sometimes mentioned the signals gold Q and A's I've been doing. I got asked this week about a couple different players uh, or maybe it wasn't the Q and A's. I think maybe I threw it in. I can't remember. I've been sick for the last week. So who, who knows where I talked about this, but about a couple different players to stash. And my advice was to think through it in terms of, 
a rest of season draft, just like this one where you're on the clock and you're deciding, I mean, because we have the endowment effect when we have a guy on our team, we don't want to cut them. We already, we're overvaluing them because we have them, the burden, the hand, psychological cognitive bias. And we are almost on the clock here. So we can talk about this a little bit more, but the way I try to get over that endowment effect is think about it. Like I'm in one of these types of drafts where I'm having to decide between the two players and neither of them is on my team yet. Who would I pick? Who do I think has the better path going forward? Man, Tyree Kill goes 105, almost made it all the way down to us. He does go. Bijan went 102. Jefferson, Kelsey went 103 and 104. Christian McCaffrey was the 101. Where do you want to go at 106? Well, I like Austin Eckler here who has his buy before the contest starts. Yeah. Do you have a different preference? No, that's I hadn't I had this is my first one of these. Obviously, listeners know that. I can't do the underdog stuff in my state. I have to be able to travel to do it, which in season is a little bit tough, but um, hadn't thought through that element of it yet. We're going to, we're going to hit on some beginner strategies as you get me up to speed. Austin Eckler by before it has missed some time with an injury already, but presumably going to be healthy on the other side of the buy. Got a little bit of practice work in before their week four game. Their other running backs, particularly Joshua Kelly did nothing and their team needs Austin Eckler back. I think you got to feel pretty comfortable about him in this format, especially considering that it doesn't start until after that buy. Uh, maybe a potential buy low as well as we look at, you know, the teams that are probably struggling that have him, that don't have time to wait through his buy, somebody to consider. But yeah, to finish off that other point, I think when you're thinking about a stash, when you're thinking about, you know, I got asked about, um, you know, some players that have, that, that we like that have been underperforming the Rashad Batemans of the world, Traylon Burks. I know I've it's been brought up vis-a-vis some of the stashes that I was talking up as really good stashes. This was actually last week. I'm now, it's, it's, it's all coming back to me. Uh, my input volatility post last week. One of the, the stashes before last week that I said was a key stash in last week's stealing signals was Rasheed Rice. And so he was one that came up and Marvin Mims is obviously one that we've talked a lot about stashing and, you know, how do you value, these different players relative to each other broadly thinking through it in on the terms that I, you know, was just laying out, like you're doing an actual draft. Like who would you rather take? Cause I think right now I, as we do this draft, Sean, I think I would take Rasheed Rice, you know, in the late single digit rounds where we're taking upside receivers in August because he looks like he's got a great upside profile the rest of the way. He does. And we've got him on a lot of teams. So hopefully that, plays out the way you were describing it but he certainly looks like the guy who could emerge for the Kansas City Chiefs I mean Kadarius Tony is very inexpensive in this now and I think that he's somebody at the very end of drafts where if you're talking about just getting some spike weeks which is what we're looking for in the best ball that part of it is interesting with our first round pick there Ben one of the things that I do like is that guys like Jerry Judy and Marvin Mims are interesting selections we're not going to put a huge amount of emphasis on these you know, week 17 plays, but that does pop out with the Chargers Broncos there. And what to me, I mean, there's a long way to go till we get to this point, but that should be an absolute shootout. As we move through here, round two starts with Devontae Adams. I think that's interesting with some of the QB situational stuff that's going on there with the Raiders. Amon Ra 202, that feels a little bit low. 203 is Jalen Waddle, which you know I'm in favor of, but is somewhat disappointing to lose him. Have him go so early when he hasn't really done anything. That's ahead of CD Lamb, who goes 204. We get a quarterback. Kenneth Walker was one of our top recommendations. 
I guess I still feel more comfortable with him where he was previously than in the second round where he goes here. Ben, walk me through kind of the three guys that we have a shot here at receiver in Devontae Smith, Chris Olave, Puka Nakua. Obviously, Puka, the you know sensation. Devontae Smith seems like a weird value. Chris Olave, that nightmare performance last game kind of shows us where we are with him. I think I would be Devonta. We're down to two seconds. And that's who you have at the top there. Or I, I probably would have been Devonta. I, I, I liked all three of those guys. I... I think Devonta right now is it's a really interesting time. It, it's it's not like we're getting a discount, but it's a really inter- interesting time to be buying him. There's a really large gap right now between the target rate for AJ Brown, Devonta Smith. They you know they were very close for most of last season. You can take that as a, a huge positive for AJ Brown, but it's been really directly linked to when he you know had a, a rough time on the sideline a couple of weeks ago. You get that little squeaky wheel thing going. I don't think it means that Devonta Smith's going to not be involved in the Eagles offense anymore by any means. And so I actually think Devonta Smith's probably a really nice play this weekend in a lot of formats like DFS formats to bounce back where they, the Eagles seem to proactively scheme for the things that they haven't been doing a lot the weeks prior. They like to almost intentionally vary where they're doing things from an offensive perspective. So the fact that Devonta Smith, I mean, he still had a good week last week, I think seven, seven catches, if I'm not mistaken. But the fact that, you know, it's been a little bit more A.J. Brown lately, I don't think that means we're going to see A.J. Brown do that the entire season and be this clear number one. I think we're going to see a, a, a good stretch from Devonta Smith here pretty soon. As you're looking at this and looking at some of the maybe less trendy names or names that you know, we're trendy and, and somehow still are. Calvin Ridley at the 2-3 turn is interesting. Saquon Barkley with the Giants' offense looking so bad. Now, obviously, in the game where he was able to play, he scores some points but also suffers that injury. I think those things combined are pretty troubling for me. What are your thoughts about Barkley and Ridley at the 2-3 turn? I don't like those at all. The Giants look so, so bad. And, you know, maybe when they get Andrew Thomas back and they're able to block some people, that'll be better. But it's looking real, real bad. I mean, we talked this offseason about maybe not signing Daniel Jones to the big deal and franchising Barkley, but instead franchising Daniel Jones and making sure he's the guy before you give him, you know, a multi-year extension and multi-year commitment. A lot of the stuff they did last year was good, but it wasn't great. They weren't actually that competitive. They beat the team that everyone thought was a fluky playoff team in Minnesota in the playoffs, and then they get absolutely thrashed by the Eagles in the next week. So. One of them, you know, they, they weren't really that competitive is what I was trying to get to there. We are back on the clock. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally fine with A-Chan, who is the ADP pick here. You have him at the top of the queue. I think let's do that. It looks like he's going to be a potential star. We add him a little bit behind ADP, which is nice. Barkley, who was the other one that you mentioned with Barkley? Sorry, at the turn. Oh, Ridley, who his, I just did my targets per out run right up. Week one looked good. Right now, if you look at the first four weeks, his targets per out run are below all of Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, and Zay Jones. He's at about 18% targets per out run. Those guys are up over 20. Christian Kirk and Ingram in particular, I don't think that's going to be the way that it finishes. But I also think that to pay these types of prices on Calvin Ridley, to still be taking him at the 2-3 turn and where we were taking him preseason, and when I say we, I mean collective we, because certainly you and I were not taking a lot of Calvin Ridley, but you needed him to differentiate and distance himself from 
Kirk and Ingram. The whole thing, the whole idea was that he could be the alpha in this passing game and not be mired in the same targets per out run range as those other two guys. The fact that he's actually like a half step meaningfully below them is bad enough. But I mean, even if he gets back to where he's a half step ahead of them, even is probably not enough to justify him at two twelve, in my opinion, uh, relative to Kirk Ingram, some other ways to play that passing game. You need him to be doing a lot better to be taking him that high. So yeah, I, I don't like those two, three picks. We get a Chan. How do you feel about a Chan at pick 30? Where do you think he should go in this one? Oh, five. What where, how high are you on him right now? <laughs> Man, it's, it's gotta be high, right? I, <laughs> there, one of the things when you look at what happened last week, where Mostert had a terrible game outside of that flashy reception, not only is this an offense that looks like it's going to be an all time great, even with the hiccup there against the bills where again, they still create plenty of value. But he looks like the perfect fit for it. And he looks like somebody who, number one, isn't going to need that much volume. But number two is actually going to be more involved around the goal line than you might expect for a small back. He's going to be involved in the passing game. I mean, maybe this sounds absurd, but I certainly think he should be going way ahead of Saquon Barkley and Calvin Ridley. I don't know that the one-two turn is even out of the question when you think about how difficult it is to get running back points in, especially in a contest like this, the splash plays and the spike weeks, yes. how they make a difference for you. The fact that maybe there are some games and that point are five scoring. Jeff Wilson games, I mean, that doesn't bother you as much here as it might where, you know, if you were doing a redraft for a full start sit, I mean, where we got it would still be a good price, but, you know, maybe you wouldn't be pushing him up even higher. And we are almost on the clock. I, I think that's all really well put. But the, the, I was just going to add the 0.5 PPR scoring, I think, even – adds more on that efficiency side as well, where, I mean, just to, to get on the board, I mean, the fact that he's clearly going to create more big plays. And I just think that that is huge. Being able to get chunk yardage in underdog scoring and in best ball can, can just be so big. But like you said, you know, he'll have some down weeks too. That won't kill us right now in the queue. We are on the clock. You have two at the top, Christian Watson, Laporta, Brees Hall, obviously love all of those guys. Two by ADP is the least likely to come back. Very content. Locking him up as our QB one, a little surprising, I guess, that he's not going even higher because you know he does look like a clear top few quarterback the rest of the way. We, you know, top. I say top few, top. I was going to say top three, but I don't think you know that's would be clear. But at least top five. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, both go in the third round. I'm not really. I mean, I certainly wouldn't take Herbert over him. I don't think at this moment. Would you? No, and I mean, frankly, I probably wouldn't. If you had had prices that were different, I mean, obviously with what the ADP context actually was, you wouldn't take Tua ahead of Justin Herbert. You're actually trying to figure out some excuses to not take Tua just so you don't end up massively overly exposed. I think here you can make an argument that you know both Mahomes and Herbert and probably Lamar Jackson all should be going below him. Behind at the very least, yeah. you know, in the same range. We got kind of wiped out at wide receiver there. A number of the picks right before us were interesting. Garrett Wilson, somebody who I guess I have a little bit, I mean, still like at the 405. I, there are huge problems there, but we did finally get an interesting performance, if not a good performance from Zach Wilson. <laughs> I like him there. 
You have David Montgomery goes one pick ahead of us. I mean, with the touchdowns that he's going to score, again, in a format that is pretty touchdown heavy, <laughs> you would have really liked to get some exposure there potentially. I have Christian Watson here. I think that the other wide receivers are quite a bit down, but I'm also not locked into him. I mean, Romeo Dobbs has looked good. Their passing game actually does have some sort of stealth problems. And so, I mean, I definitely wouldn't be loading up on Christian Watson by any stretch. No, I'm good with him. I uh, am a big Romeo Dobbs fan. Don't think he's actually looked that great. He's not been that efficient. He's earned volume, which he did last year as well. Uh, Got a lot of touches last week after they were absolutely destroyed in the first half. They had like 23 total yards in the first half. And then they came out a little bit interested in not being embarrassed in 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 a Thursday night game for most of the second half. And, and that's when Dobbs got a lot of his yards and his decent stat line was in, you know, against some weaker defenses. Uh, my take on Watson is if he's capable of being the alpha, it's open for him, but the, no one else has stepped up in that passing game. We are on the clock. He does fall all the way to us. Uh, I think he's a, he's a great pick here in the fifth round. And you like him better than Zay flowers for sure. Well, yeah, I think so. Yeah. In this format, spike weak potential. Flowers really low A dot, half PPR. I do think Flowers going to have some big plays. His A dot was up a little higher last week. I wrote about it in signals. There's a little bit of noise because he only had one long target. It was on an extended play. Lamar rolls out, finds Zay downfield. Great, great to see. And, and Zay caught it. Great to see. But it was like a 40 yard catch after Lamar held the ball for like six seconds. And, you know, you can't count on that every week. And when his role, other than that, has been four or lower air yards targets, these you know manufactured looks around the line of scrimmage, that's great because he's he's good at yak and he can actually make plays on that stuff. It's nice to see a lot of work. I'd be liking that more in, in full PPR than half PPR, and I would be thinking of it more of as like a floor play uh, than you know a huge ceiling pop off potential. He can obviously grow into more work in those things, and and his usage so far has been fantastic, but. Christian Watson, I think the the floor is open for him to have some real spike weeks and some big time potential down the field, touchdown potential. Um, like I was saying, Dobbs, I think is a really a useful adi- like piece that can earn volume and, and draw some defensive attention. But like Musgrave hasn't earned a ton of volume yet. He's been running a lot of routes, but Jaden Reed's been all right. But I think if Watson could come back and actually be good then the floor is open for him to to be the, the clear number one. So if he's anything as advertised, big opportunity for him. What are you thinking next here for uh, round six? Well, one of the th- things there on Flowers is that he gives us that week 17 game with a team that we're heavily invested in with the Dolphins. And he's, I think, the only really viable receiver there because while – his role has been high volume, but also extremely disappointing in that, I mean, they're almost just glorified handoffs. The rest of the receivers look as though they have no value whatsoever. So if you're looking for that bring back, I mean, he really we should have done that path to it. Yeah, uh, we should have done but, that. That's my fault. Well, but I think the ADP value is still kind of an interesting way to play it with Watson as we come back through here, one of the things, Brees Hall did go one pick right ahead of us at the last selection. I guess I'm still, one of the things I wrote about in Zero RB Universe this week is that he and Talvin Cook are in this group of backs who are getting hit at the line of scrimmage an incredibly high percentage of the time. His yards before contact are terrible. And I do put that 
on the context a little bit more than him. His yards after contact, obviously fantastic since he's broken the long runs. Supposedly the, the snap count limits are off. I think that that is mostly just an excuse to uh, cover up some of the mistakes they've made in usage to this point, trying to blame them on snap limits. I still think we're going to get a little bit of a breakout from the Jets. So that would have been interesting to me. Then we're coming up here. Chris Godwin is somebody we liked, somebody who looked really bad until Mike Evans got hurt. Another player who has that week five bye. He goes one spot ahead of us. I guess I don't love any of the options here. Terry McLaurin has been the clear guy in Washington, and it looks like that passing offense is going to be interesting. We could take a tight end in George Kittle a bounce back play those are probably my two leading options do you have a preference yeah i'm good with either of those i don't you can go either direction kittle would be a fine tight end to grab at this price we do go mclaurin there as our third receiver we needed a receiver structurally so devonta smith christian watson terry mclaurin is the start of the receiver build it's not sexy but it'll get the job done we do have some fun running backs so far who are running backs again sean we scroll up Oh, yeah, yeah have- A-Chan. Yeah, Eckler and, and A-Chan. And we have two at quarterback through six rounds. Get the little mini Miami stack. Yeah, I had not been in week 17 mode. Good point on the Zay Flowers note. We will continue to think about the bringbacks. An important thing to keep in mind how much of the um, payouts and the structure and everything are, you know, Focused on your ability to hit up one week ceiling in week 17. So getting those game stacks can be huge. If you already have Tua and A-Chan like we do, we're expecting that game to be an absolute shootout. A-Chan's going for 200. Tua's throwing for 350. All sorts of fun stuff happening. We're going to need the Ravens to play along and, and to produce as well. So Flowers would have made a lot of sense on this. But we'll keep looking for opportunities to do those week 17 stacks going forward. Where did you find, you've already done a couple of these, right? Where did you find that the receiver started to kind of dry up for you? I don't know that there's a huge issue with that. One of the things I was going to say on Brees Hall, and it might have seemed strange to take our third running back so early when we know, especially that the, you know, the, the high value receivers are going to go away just like they did in the preseason drafts. But there's a big tear break, I would say, not too long after him. I think that running back is now wiped out or a pretty good chunk one of the reasons why i went with mclaurin as opposed to kittle is that i think that dalton kincaid's price here at the 133 is pretty crazy he seems like somebody who's going to have the potential to make it that's insane yeah and so i'm kind of targeting him at the tight end position but kittle does come all the way back around us so we took eckler early we could take judy we could wait for mims we could try and get both of those guys do you see anybody else here there aren't a ton of other intriguing options i don't believe i think i would do kittle and try to wait on mims i sean i i i know this is going to sound like blasphemy to you but i think i would take sutton over judy straight up right now so you aren't gonna love that (laughs) (laughs) you you told me i've been writing and having some fun with it and stealing signals but Corlin Sutton's ADOT is now lower than Jerry Judy's. It's at a career low. He is Sean Payton's Michael Thomas. He's the new slant boy for this Denver offense. He scored a TD on a slant last week. 
he's got this role that matters to Sean Payton's offense right now, which is not not great <laughs> for everyone else. You're starring some. I was gonna say you're gonna describe that as not great. Yeah, but I mean it's also it's not great for Judy, is basically what I was saying. Um, <clears throat> you are starring some other names. And I'm seeing some APs for the first time. I'll name a couple that I really like. Deontay Johnson at 98.9. George Pickens has not meaningfully dominated the targets with Deontay out. They've had a lot of issues. But Pat Fryermuth now has a legitimate hamstring injury as well. Deontay Johnson already going to have his four games on IR up, I think. or four Is it four weeks or four games? They have a week five bye. Or, excuse me, a week six bye? Whatever. They're by soon. And um, I think when Deontay comes back post by, he's going to be able to step right back into a huge role. If you want uh, uh, this year's Keenan Allen, last year Keenan Allen had an early season hamstring injury, came back and was really useful later. And a guy that people were just completely ignoring early is obviously Deontay Johnson. I don't think he's going to be as efficient as Keenan Allen, but he's going to Deontay Johnson's going to come back and be able to earn a lot of volume, like he always has in a passing game where. As I mentioned, George Pickens hasn't really seized the opportunity as the clear number one. Another name you starred, a couple names, John Dotson, JSN. I still believe in those guys as well. Sean Jamison Williams going ahead of Deontay Johnson, going still as high as ever. Yeah, he's going to return this week, but don't you think he's still – I mean, the quotes from Dan Campbell, don't, don't you think he's still a, a little ways away and a little bit of an uncertain pick? I mean, I, I started him because I'd love to have him. I'm glad we have him on some of our teams. I'm glad he's coming back early. When you think about where he was preseason and then you think about how they're operating in the red zone with David Montgomery, I mean, that's an absurd price. So I put him in there, but he's not really above these other guys for me or for for us, for sure. I would say. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's silly. We, so, I mean, we, we can take him ahead. if you want. One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending a live event. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person. It is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress in trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats. And that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets on their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and you Use the code RODOVIS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RODOVIS for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This does have to be the spot to get Deontay, right? Do you like the Deontay play? I do. I agree with everything you said there. I am concerned about potential for re-injury with him. I don't know how well he is recovering. Obviously, be out this week. You have the bye. Probably the most disappointing thing, you look at the way the season has developed. JSN, who I mean, was actually weird involved in some weird ways in that Monday night debacle, you know, the debacle part happening for the Giants. His early season production and then the Steelers offense in general, I mean, those have to be the two biggest disappointments for us personally, right? When you look at the Steelers, I, I mean, George Pickens has had some plays wiped out. He had a catch in the most recent game where, I mean, very literally, Pat Fryermuth just ran straight down the field. There was a defensive back who eventually started holding him, and then they kind of jogged down the field together with Fryermuth never at any point making any kind of – like he never even cut, right? He didn't like cut and throw the guy off. At no point did the defender stop holding him. He got called for offensive pass interference on that play, wiped out a Pickens third down conversion, which it's a catch and also then would have obviously helped their just massively distressing offense. But yeah, I mean, for that offense to flourish, the only part of the thesis that can still actually work out would be for Deontay Johnson to come back, really command targets, and then for that to unlock everything. And one of the things about having a lot of weapons, which I think is the case for the Steelers going into the season, is as soon as you lose a key part and you have Calvin Austin and Allen Robinson running a bunch of routes, you've gone from a very dynamic offense to one where, you know, you've got pieces out there that just don't threaten anybody. Nobody is concerned about them. And I mean, I like Pickens. I thought he was going to blow up. I don't think it's a great situation when you have a completely overmatched offensive coordinator. They probably have the worst sort of scheme play calling dynamic, maybe in the entire NFL right now. And then, I mean, if you can, you know, double team Pickens, that's, I mean, that's just not going to be good for him there, especially with the quarterback struggling. So anyway, there's the volume scenario that you discussed for Johnson, very clearly the one that I think, we have to emphasize so as we come back around we're one pick away here javante williams a little bit below adp an interesting selection and then dotson and jsn interesting also you can go with drake london here who despite how poorly that offense has gone has scored some touchdowns and he could be a little bit of a bounce back guy what do you like i would be javante or dotson depending whether you want to go running back or receiver and then 
push JSN around. What, let, let's do Javante. ADP likes him. You've moved him to the top of the queue. I agree with your uh, earlier comments about starting a little bit running back heavy or sort of implying that. I Once you get in season, we know a lot more about running back roles. It's not as easy to necessarily play the late round running backs you can still play obviously the handcuffs or talent based you know ascensions or things like that play against fragile starters there's still obviously ways to do it but i think it's justifiable to 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 pick higher running backs in these types of formats where we're talking about knowing the running back roles knowing the ones that are rolling and scoring well and the ones that haven't scored well there's obviously running backs have pretty high bust rates sometimes we've seen some guys Guys, we like that haven't played well. You know, you we talked about Ramondre Stevenson, I think, a little bit ago. He's a guy that I saw go much later in, in in this draft as we went through. I think he went in the sixth round or so. He's been a huge disappointment, obviously, this year. Anyway, a, a good example of the type of player where you – I mean, you can still take him, I think, in the sixth round, but you don't have to pay the same price. That when, you, when you do pay the prices, you know a little bit more what you're getting at running back right now, I guess is what I was saying. Although I don't know that that's actually fully true, so I'm kind of hemming and hawing as I'm saying it. Like Kyron Williams. How high is Kyron Williams going? Where, where did Kyron Williams go in this? Fourth Early round. Fourth. Early fourth. Early fourth. 403. See, that's like, I mean, you know what you're getting? Do you? I don't know if you know what you're getting because that's a really high price for him. You're getting some usage. You're getting the touchdowns that come out of that Rams offense. I think you've described that well. I'm still shocked that he would go ahead of Derrick Henry and David Montgomery. You look at what just happened with Alvin Kamara. James Cook actually still a good workload. I mean, I think all those guys should still go ahead of Williams, but I understand the situational play there. I do think that Javante Williams, even though... I mean, you and I had sort of a robust debate yesterday about Jaleel McLaughlin and how that was going to work out in, you know, how we wanted to bid for free agents, what it was going to mean for our Williams teams, what it was going to mean for teams that maybe now did have the backup. I mean, we're a little bit split on how that would work. There's uncertainty with Williams and his health. There's the uncertainty with Pirine. And if he will kind of go away, if the rookie emerges. So you've got some questions in Denver, but I still really like the Broncos to create a lot of total value for the running back position, which you know makes it not as problematic if it's split a little bit more. I think the buy low there makes a lot of sense. So we get to this point, everybody that I had at the other positions is gone. Ben, to give you a little bit of a look here, Tutu, Jaden Reed, Zay Jones, the top wide receivers, running back, Cam Akers, Roshan, Hunter Henry. We we th- that was uh, one of the fun we were recording types of picks where we uh, were on the other screen and talking about some other stuff. And Rasheed Rice and JSN went back to back there. I didn't want to stop you because you were on a roll, but I I did notice that we were going to switch back to this screen and the queue was going to be wildly low. But what are you going to do? We take Hunter Henry. Not a terrible pick. In the 10th round, you know, we're just, we're we're robust tight end, George Kittle and Hunter Henry. (laughs) Well, you have the best bounce back pick at tight end. We know that every week isn't going to be like week four where, I mean, he just not involved in the game at all. 
And then with Henry, I mean, Henry really is the only guy who is functioning in that Patriots offense. I think that if anything, his volume could go up a touchdown score. So one of the ways that you make it he's through the stable guy through he's the stable guy kittles the spike guy is what you're saying we're gonna get the kittle spike weeks and henry will will keep us afloat when kittle has his one catch games that he has that's a perfect way to describe it i'm still on board with adding dalton kincaid to this roster yeah, as well i think you want to take as many but what about roshan here at the bike players as possible I, I agree with that entirely, and I like that idea. Roshan near the top of the running backs behind ADP, 10 picks behind ADP now. Oh, we just took Hunter Henry, and then Kyle Pitts comes off after that, which is kind of funny. Uh, you know, I know you're, you're kind of concerned about Kyle Pitts, but I, I think I would have taken Kyle Pitts over Hunter Henry personally. You're not to the point where you're just like, let's go ahead and take Johnny. Literally anyone else? <laughs> so do you want Johnson or Kincaid here? I would be Johnson, I think, and and maybe try to get an ADP value on Kincaid. I still think Kincaid's a really nice play, but isn't Roshan a, a pretty strong? I look like a size back who's already playing on passing downs, and it, like feels like he has potential to work later in the season into uh, a three down role that could be potentially really exciting. I know the Bears suck, so maybe that's what you're thinking. The Bears suck. Well, are you buying or selling week four? I think that there are elements of that game that are specifically the result of the Denver Broncos being a tragically bad defense. And yet, I also think that mostly what we saw there is what we can expect as the Bears go forward, just not to that level of efficiency. I mean, at one point, you know, again, Justin Fields is challenging like Chicago completion records and all of that. I mean, you're not going to get that from him in most of these games. The element that I touched on in the Zero RB universe was that this was sort of similar to, but more believable in some ways, to the reports out of New England. We're like, oh, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott might be the starter in week four, might get starter snaps, roll, what have you. Supposedly, the Bears were ready to really lean on Roshan, and then they come out, and Khalil Herbert has a 17 EP game where he outperforms. He looks like the guy who was, I believe, number one, definitely in the top couple spots last year in terms of yards over expectation by next-gen. Next and as soon as the offense was functional at all, he looks really good. And Roshan goes back to being a very distant second. Now, as the season develops, I would expect that to go the other way. But we did just get a piece of evidence that, I mean, Herbert, you know, involved and a good player. And so I don't know that Johnson as maybe a less explosive pure runner necessarily <laughs> take the type of role that, you know, would be league winning, especially in a bad offense. But I mean, he's still very intriguing. Yeah. I think there's still handcuff potential. And then in terms of the actual size of the split, because it was so different from the other three weeks, I mean, I took it as a pretty big uh, data point in terms of the game script where they were up by a lot in you know in the first half they take a, a lead in the second quarter and they hold that lead until well into the fourth and and the broncos go ahead for good with under two minutes left but for the majority of this game the bears are winning and they're winning by as much as 21 points for for a stretch so i just thought this was more like a, this is what's going to happen in positive game script and as much as you know you said we can expect some better things from the bears i don't think we can expect them to be in this type of positive game script most weeks and johnson has been playing more 
when trailing in an obvious passing situations in the first three weeks. And I, so I, yeah, I, I kind of think this is going to be one of the biggest splits we see all year as a result of it being one of the biggest positive game scripts that the bears are likely to see all year. But um, I think your points are valid too, but there's also an element where if Johnson is playing enough in negative scripts, he can have some standalone value and then also has handcuff value. So I still kind of like the pick in the 11th round. We're back up. You fired off a bunch of receivers into the queue. Josh Downs at the top of the list. Haven't been super stoked on him. I think the fit with Anthony Richardson, like I, I haven't seen a lot this year to make myself feel much better about that fit. What do you got? We're about to time out here. So the most frustrating thing that happened in <laughs> the, the two picks right before ours were Dalton Kincaid who almost came back to us but not surprisingly got hit with a badge drafter and then we had set this up pretty nicely for Howell to be our QB2 where you don't need him as much behind Tua we had both Terry McLaurin and George Kittle for the week 17 Howell goes one pick ahead of us I mean my concern with the Rams offense is that it's going to be run heavy around the goal line but it was going to get very bleak at QB very quickly and we didn't have a player at a different position that we liked and so i went ahead and no. pulled the trigger on matthew stafford i love that i i saw you looking at stafford's name we were very low on the clock he should obviously be going before the 12th round he like the rams offense looks very functional even without cooper cup cooper cups on his way back like i feel like it, this is an easy qb option uh into the 12th round People are still just very confident that Matthew Stafford's going to get hurt, I think. Uh, and maybe that will happen. But I think right now you have to look at him as, with a 12th round ADP and think there's only a few offenses that are using motion enough and running modern offenses and actually, you know, scheming in ways that is like creating efficiency for their players. He had a tough time on Monday Night Football because his tackle left the game and they were getting to him in the second half. But with cutback and Nakua and Atwell, this could be a, an explosive passing game. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna give him weapons for the first time, a depth of weapons for the first time in a long time. So that part of it is definitely exciting. We could we can go downs if you want. You have some other names in the queue. I still am fine with Traylon Burks in this range. I liked your call on Kadarius Tony. His targets per out run really strong in the limited usage. But like the main guys that are running a lot of routes are not earning volume. Sky Moore, Marcus Feldes, Scantling, those guys. Wanda Robinson, the other name, that's a key one. You're kind of hovering over him. I think, yeah, he's a he's a good pick right here. We're going to take him. He is the other one that have really liked what I've seen in the first couple games for him coming off the ACL. He's looked incredibly explosive in terms of being ready to go off of an injury like that where he wasn't playing in week one he looks fine he looks totally back to normal and the giants i was you know i'm concerned about the giants offense but they gave him a handoff on the second play from scrimmage on on monday night um <clears throat> they're definitely ready to turn him loose a little bit i can't be unbiased on robinson because i have such an extreme share but i mean everything that you're saying is what i'm also seeing and you're like, I mean, how can he work in when they have so many redundant pieces? But he's better than all of them. He's more explosive overall. He's better at getting open. He's better and, with and the that's ball clear. in hands. That was clear right away. Like, Parrish Campbell's been playing a lot, and they were just like, oh, wait, we're going to – they ramped up his snap uh, and routes, Wanda Robinson's 
last week in his second game after his first game back where he caught like, you know, or got like five targets or something in a really limited role in that San Francisco game, but he's getting open at will in, you know, uh, in, in the short area of the field, doesn't really get a whole lot of yardage or anything, but then they ramp that up right away. I think it's been clear to them too. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. I just, especially again in the half PPR, it's a little bit harder to see how an underneath guy can get you the big spike weeks, especially on a terrible offense. But if you assume that they do make some progress, they become a little bit more what they were last season. And with Saquon Barkley healthy, which hopefully does happen, that they're a little bit more viable. I mean, that offense to me looks like it will eventually be Barkley. They still obviously want Waller to do some things for them, but then it will be Wandale and it will be Jalen Hyatt. That's how they come out of this nightmare that they're currently in. And if they do come out of it, the volume you're going to get from Wandale at this price, I like. So, some of the other guys that are available here, you mentioned Tony. I think that that makes some sense. Both of the Baltimore guys in Bateman and Beckham, I mean, I have a really hard time seeing how they can make a push with just how that offense is developing. But certainly you want to fade a little bit of that and just say, you know, we, we do want a cheap potential like one week <laughs> Ravens guy off of the build that we have. The other thing that we're starting to see here, Ben, is that McLaughlin is still there. And even though it's my preference to not put both of those guys together in most cases with the team that we've built and with the running backs that we have at the top end to be able to say that we're probably going to get the Broncos guys. And I don't think this is a thing either where it's either or in terms of them working, this could just simply be like alternating weeks that the guys will give you the score that could get into the starting lineup. That part for me, when he makes it three more picks, I think he's. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. Is it, is it McLaughlin? Oh, he went, is it McLaughlin, McLaughlin, McLaughlin. I'm going to need um, Schefter to, to tweet about that. Uh, uh, as you said to me before, don't know how to say his name either. Traylon Burks goes, we are on deck. And I think Tony is a really nice pick here. I'm going to go ahead and do that in the 14th round. Rasheed Rice, long gone. A lot of the other interesting players, long gone. Tony makes some sense. You mentioned Atwell a few picks back. Another one where, uh, oh, I guess that was before we even took Matthew. Stafford. He goes at the 10-11. I really like Tutu. I guess I'm surprised to see. Well, I mean, that stretch in round 10 gives you a sense of what the receiver position is like because we like jsn and rishi rice to start it out rice goes at 1003 when you consider that he has actually done very little that <laughs> gives you that interesting contrast between him and the rest of the receivers again he had that game where he had two plays where he was tackled at the six inch line you know if you get touchdowns on those it's a very viable best ball week but then you get elijah moore he has been interesting and yet obviously the browns offense has some problems then zay jones hurt and probably the number four target there Jaden reed i mean he's made some spike plays or some splash plays i should say in most of the weeks and yet has also dropped some passes doesn't really have as relevant a role now that christian watson is back especially if we expect luke musgrave to i mean musgrave has been interesting because he's been open a lot and yet he's one where jordan love has been missing him or Musgrave himself will stumble and, and fall down. Michael Wilson, after the two-touchdown game, goes at 10-10, 2-2, 10-11. And again, Cooper Cup coming back. 
it shows the desperation that we have with right wide receivers here, especially within that context to get Wandale in 13 and Tony in 14. I, I love those prices on those guys. Yeah, those are fantastic numbers. So we have a two, four, six, two build so far, Sean. How many running backs do you want to land on here typically with these? Well, I usually want to get to five. Maybe we should have done McLaughlin earlier and switched the pick with Wandale. Well, we have the three foundation pieces. I think Antonio Gibson is an interesting play off of a potential Brian Robinson injury. Certainly, I hope that doesn't happen. It sounds like Rico Dowdle's injury to the hip is not serious. Kendra Miller buried there with the Saints and their offense. Again, I, I joked that it'd be nice if the Saints and Steelers offensive coordinators could switch teams for a couple of weeks just to give like the teams different apocalyptic play calling what do you think about uh, th those are all interesting names um i think some options what do you think about going ball that's where i was going to go you just moved bateman to the top of the queue going baltimore here getting that bring back i think we got to grab rashad bateman here in the 15th and this is a horrifying question to ask but is he a better pick than odell beckham i'm not gonna answer that <laughs> We're just going to let the clock, the timer run out and Rashad Bateman is going to be auto-selected while we pretend that we didn't even consider that question. Bateman, I just, I, I cannot believe I that. I don't have anything to say to it, John. I'm like cutting yeah. Bateman now in, in high-stakes redraft teams. It's so bleak. I don't want him among the 20 players on the roster. I have an exposure that I don't like. And yet adding more pieces, that's what you want to do. Continue to add a player that you were otherwise cutting. It does make sense for this team. However, I mean, maybe we should take an Odell. Devontae Smith, Christian Watson, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, Wondell Robinson, Kadarius Tony, Rashad Bateman were set there. Our two tight ends leave us set there. I like our QBs. They both do have the same buy. We could select a third oh. quarterback. And then we have at least one more. We have another running back pick that we're going to want to make at some point. But we still have three picks left to make three so you're thinking a third tight end as well yeah i think that that would be a possibility suck i'm sorry i said <laughs> these tight ends suck they're not extremely compelling i think that logan thomas i mean i've been trying to yeah. get you back on board there and you're you have every time in, in the in the leagues that I have some good rosters and I need some tight end upside in, in the high stakes stuff. Every time I go to the waiver wire and I see Kate Otten and Logan Thomas as the available options, I'm just like, great, this team's gonna have to win with no tight end points. It's because <laughs> you're not gonna find tight end upside here. What about uh Michael Mayer in the last round? He's completely out on him. That's a really concentrated passing attack. I looked at the targets brought run stuff this week. Devonta Adams and Josh Jacobs, both over 30%. Massive numbers. Jacoby Myers, somewhere at like 24%. There are other guys that have run any number of routes are all under 10%, like three more guys. Hunter Hunter Renfro's at like 9%. Mayer's down there. Austin Hooper's down there. The point is, it's obviously concentrated, not just like to a small amount, to a massive amount. Is there contingent upside in the Raiders passing game if Devontae Adams were to miss time? 
if Jacoby Myers were to miss time, if J- Josh Jacobs were to miss time, does someone else have to step up to catch passes? And could Michael Mayer like eventually still hit a ceiling? So you're you're spinning the yarn of last year's Trey McBride week 17 massive explosion. Like the one good game of Michael Mayer's career could come right at the crucial game. One good game of his career. He's he's had four games. He's a 21-year-old tight end, and you're already writing off his whole career. Well, where are we on Trey McBride again? I I, <laughs> I, I do I feel mean, more comfortable with <laughs> with the McBride statement there. Ben, as we get ready for this round 16 pick, because those tight end picks are going to be more around 18, I would think. I don't like it. I don't want it to be a good pick. I am, frankly, though, stunned that Latavius Murray, who has worked himself into a pretty meaningful role with the super high scoring Buffalo bills that he is still available. Are you, are you comfortable with him as the fifth running back? I'm playing the illness card and I'm saying that I needed to sit this out. Oh, he went one pick ahead of us. Oh my gosh. I thought Dowdle was a good call. If his hip injury is not too serious, I think he's actually like the, the workload that Tony Pollard's getting Rico Dowdle, if Pollard were to miss time, can Rico Dowdle step into the Tony Pollard role as Puka Nakua did the Cooper Cup role and be elevated? Yes, is the answer to that question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he looked he looked fantastic in week three. Broke a bunch of tackles. He's a guy with a good size, athleticism profile one of the things there is that that injury even though it's supposedly not serious it is to a hip that has cost him a full season already but i mean it sounds like he'll be all right and we're not really making that play for week five scoring if we need it in week five then our team probably already has some problems but obviously austin eckler is not going to be scoring in week five either so HN, Williams, Roshan, we're going to need them to do a little bit for us there. But with the likelihood that he would get a lot of work because the guys behind him have struggled and or are not that legitimate an options for a big workload, he is someone where the handcuff value specifically in that offense is through the roof. So I do like that pick. You wouldn't be able to get him at that price if not for the injury then as we look to potentially add a third qb you can always throw away the week 10 but since this is a shorter season and the resurrection i think is probably not the right way to play it do you have a qb preference between jimmy garoppolo mac jones and bryce young i'm guessing you're not on board with adding zach wilson <laughs> no it would probably be mac jones because we did have hunter henry on this team right yeah, and I don't think we have to stack that, but go ahead. It didn't sound like Bill Belichick was putting that last game entirely on Mac Jones' shoulders. I mean, their starting wide receivers are Juju Smith Schuster and Devontae Parker. There's gonna be nobody open. If you want to go Garoppolo, we can definitely we can definitely this is basically a one week fill in for our buy with two and Stafford because two and Stafford are the upside plays. Grapple goes. We could go Bryce Young too if you wanted to do that. I mean I think 
there's room for him to develop still. They're potentially going to trade for a star number one receiver. Who knows? True. True. <laughs> all you said was true for people who are not watching on YouTube. All Sean said was true as he went and clicked draft on Mac Jones. Just didn't didn't comment on anything else. Waited till I was done. Said true. <laughs> Just drafted Mac Jones. It was great. Well, I, the number one receiver thing is kind of the final nail in the coffin for Bryce Young, because one of the things that was humorous slash sad slash you're kind of thinking i mean one of the immediate things have i mentioned this to you before then i probably have but i mean the panthers aren't going anywhere you had a game where andy dalton unlocked adam Thielen and dj chark to look like legitimate starting wide receivers they go back to bryce young and they're like the reason he's terrible is because we need to trade for we need to add a number one wide receiver like yeah everyone has been telling you that since the beginning of the offseason you obviously need a number one wide receiver and yet the contrast between bryce young and andy dalton and just you know in andy dalton's defense a lot of the numbers that chris olave got last year are because andy dalton did similar things with them to what he did for adam thielen and dj chart so anyway it is there a universe out there where we can get andy dalton to the jets because I mean, you're talking about Garrett Wilson, you know, 105 with Andy Dalton there. I mean, one of the problems Andy Dalton has is that that's, that's a, an AFC East schedule. He doesn't play well in the wind and the rain. But beyond that, we have now had Kendra Miller go. We have one more pick. Noah Fant, Greg Dulcich in the queue. We have the tight end list so I can look at some more terrible players. Chigokonkwo is available. We can go with Smythe with our QB. Kylan Granson has gotten some targets from Anthony Richardson. Isaiah Likely is a handcuff who would go with the Dolphins. I am captivated by those names. It sounds like you still want to add Damian Harris. You're like, I'm, I'm soft vetoing Latavius Murray. Damian Harris is still the guy. No, it's definitely Latavius Murray. It's just my brain couldn't comprehend uh, drafting him. You, you've floated both Odell Beckham and Latavius Murray combined age of 137 in this this draft room, and it's just it's caught me off guard. Well, we're a couple picks away. None of the options are good. I'm ready for a nap. <laughs> <laughs> that is protesting no, the conclusion of our draft. <laughs> Pierre Strong, the Cleveland Browns have a great closing schedule according to our fantasy strength of schedule streamer. He broke a 40-yard run in deep in garbage time the other day. Kareem Hunt looks washed and injured. Any interest in him as yeah. a probably not very heavily rostered final running back? Yeah, I like that a lot. Awesome. We have okay. added Pierre Strong, some real upside there. That's good. The final roster, Austin Eckler, Devonta Smith, Devon A. Chan, Tua Tego Valoa, Christian Watson, 
Terry McLaurin, George Kittle, Deontay Johnson, Javante Williams, Hunter Henry, Roshan Johnson, Matthew Stafford, Wandale Robinson, Kadarius Tony, Rashad Bateman, Rico Dowdle, Mac Jones, Pierre Strong. We got some interesting names. A lot of Sons and Johnsons and, and Man, Bateman, Robinson, Johnson, Watson. So you feel like the theme of this team, last names. Yeah. We had like a Smith, a Williams, I think a Jones in there. We've got all the like common last names as well. Yeah. Mac Jones, Devonta Smith, Javante Williams. We've got these like common names. Pierre Strong, strong team. A lot of sons. Robinson, Johnson, Watson, and Bateman. Sons and mans. That's our whole receiving core. It's a it, yeah. I mean, it's a really interesting last name build, is what I was thinking. So then we accomplished what we were looking for with a Dolphins heavy team. We got Austin Eckler. We're going to score a lot of running back points. We balanced that out with a lot of volume at receiver, including four names off the top who have high end upside, and then three more names with a lot of individual spike week potential. We've got. I mean, when you think about how bleak the tight end landscape is, we have two really good tight end options and didn't have to spend up to get them. Still would have preferred getting Dalton Kincaid, but I kind of messed that pick up. Ben, I love this team. I don't think that these guys should all be available now that we have four weeks worth of information. I wish that our top two QBs didn't have the same buy. This is a lot of fun. I encourage listeners to get out there and participate in Underdog's Best Ball Resurrection. Absolutely. Love this team. What would you grade our execution of the great last name stack strategy that we went with? Well, the execution of that part, A+. plus. The execution of the rest of the draft, A-. minus. I mean, that averages out to the grade we wanted, right? So Yeah, and A. Well done. Perfect. Well that's done. the way. That's exactly what we were shooting for. Sean, the reason I'm getting so tired, listeners are like, man, will he just shut up? We spent two hours this morning talking about your Arizona Diamondbacks who won their wildcard series. We talked a little bit about my Mariners at this time last year. My Mariners didn't make the playoffs again this year. Your Diamondbacks did, and it was a blast to talk with you a little bit about that. But you have the fun baseball distraction at this time of the year that I had last year with the Mariners run. Are they going to win the World Series? Why not? Why not? All the pressure on the Los Angeles Dodgers right now. You think back to Monday Night Football and how much fun it was to watch two teams, especially the New York Giants, who couldn't move the ball. Ben, I don't think there's ever been a situation where baseball has been a nice just break from football. The two sports are a little bit different in terms of the dynamism they offer. Unfortunately, that's where we were with baseball this week and the Diamondbacks are the most fun team in baseball. I encourage any listeners who like have the slightest interest in baseball and don't have a team to root for them. It was fun chatting with you. And that will wrap up our underdog best ball resurrection version of Ceiling Bananas. I'm Sean Siegel. With me as always is Ben Gretsch. A bonus post this week. Make sure you get over there and check out the targets per route run breakdown from Ben. We'd love to have you guys over Rotoviz coupon code there, RV Radio 2023, 10% discount at checkout. If you want to sign up for Resurrection, you want half off, or I should say 100% deposit match, you can use coupon code ROTOVIZ. 
We appreciate all those ratings and reviews. We appreciate you guys putting up with us through this draft thing. It was a great exercise. Even if we got a little bit goofier than usual at the end, we'll all be off. Talk to you soon. O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts.